Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hey, we have a craft beer segment coming up tonight. These are always fun. We're going to go out to Edgerton and feature Ripstone Creek Brewery. That'll be coming up after the 7.30 news. Also tonight... You will meet Clara Hyde, 90 years of age. She is bowling for a national championship at the Bowl Canada Cup at Bonnie Dew Lanes this weekend. How about that? That's later on in this hour. CFL halftime, 25-8. Ottawa leading Montreal. Eskimos in Toronto tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Countdown to kickoff, 3.30 for the start of the game. Right here on 6.30, Chad. The Blue Jays lead the Yankees 5-2. That's in the bottom of the fifth. Trucker Dave texting in. He says, hey, Reed. Three and a half million per year for Darnell Nurse is high, but I think he'll get it. He's not consistent enough for more. And Sheldon texts in who says, Good evening, Reed. I have to agree with the naysayers on Ryan Strom, who today got a uh, two-year contract, $3.1 million per season. Sheldon says, Way too much for someone who is barely holding a spot in the league. Derek Ryan down in Calgary is a good face-off guy, can play a defensive game, and I think even he was overpaid. Strom should have simply been let go. Mark Latest is just sitting and waiting for another contract. He'd be the perfect price point. You would have saved over a million dollars and got more out of the player. That is Sheldon texting 630-630. You're always welcome to do so. You may have uh, heard the name Brock McGillis. He made a pretty big splash back in November of 2016. He told his story about playing in the Ontario Hockey League, playing Canadian University Hockey, playing semi-pro hockey, and being miserable the whole time. The reason? He's gay, and he felt like he couldn't come and tell anybody. He finally came out in that article, and he's been speaking and trying to help people ever since, and he is in Edmonton speaking at the hockey conference at the University of Alberta. Brock, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to Edmonton. Obviously, the hockey conference is going on this weekend. How'd your speech go this morning? Yeah, no, I'm happy to be in Edmonton. It's my first time here. It's gorgeous. I really like it. Um, speech went well. It was uh, it was a different crowd than I'm used to. A lot of uh, academics uh, who study the sport and different uh, disciplines. But it, it went really well. It was really fascinating. All right. So what kind of a crowd would you usually be speaking to, Brock? So typically, I, I, last winter, I went around and spoke to... Uh, the majority of the OHL, I went out to uh, talk to a team in the queue. I talked to minor sports teams and to uh, I go to schools. I've gone from universities down to grade fours. Um, and I've been traveling across the country doing that for the past year. 
Well, tell tell fans here a little bit about about your message and how it's received. I mean, you obviously have a very personal story that we'll get into a little bit, but but uh, what kind of a connection do you try to make with uh, with the players and the kids that you're talking to? I think I'm uh, pretty fortunate in the sense that my what I my experiences are similar to theirs in the sense that I, I've lived their life, right? Um, whether I go into an elementary school or I'm talking to a major junior kid, there's there's typically some form of hockey involved, whether it's, you know, AAA kids, AA kids, house league, or fans. And then the major junior kids, they, they all understand the game. They all, I mean, it's Canada. We, we live for the sport. So I try and share my experiences in the game with them, uh, what I went through, the struggle I had, and how I think we need to change things. You know, since since you came out, Brock, and obviously, you know, people, I'm sure people have read the article or, or they can go on your website and get some of those stories. But since you came out, have you, did any former teammates get in touch and say, you know, why didn't you tell me? I wish you would have told me or, or maybe the other end of the spectrum. Did, did, did maybe some people distance themselves? I mean, what was some of the reaction you got from from guys you played with? That was really interesting. Um, A lot of people apologized. Apologized for their attitudes, their language, um, and everything at the time. And it's not something. I mean, they're just products of their environment, right? They're just learned behavior. It's hockey culture. You talk that talk, you walk that walk, you act that way, Uh, especially as younger kids. So, uh, I, I mean, I told them I don't begrudge any of them. I did the same stuff. Um, but I really appreciated the fact that they took the time. I had some friends that I was closer with in the hockey circles that were like, you know, I'm, you should have told me. And I'm like, well, you weren't walking in my shoes. You didn't understand the fears. I didn't even tell my parents or my brother. <laughs> you know, so... Um, I mean, to tell them, and, and they understand it. They just want to be supportive, right? Well, 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 that's interesting. So, so let me ask you this, Brock. Since you know, you're you're telling me the majority of the reaction you got was was people saying, you know, apologizing or saying, "Why didn't you tell me?" Is is the hockey world, is the NHL, in your mind, the players and its fans, I suppose, ready for an openly gay hockey player if and when that happens? Or is the first NHLer who hypothetically goes through that, is that going to be, you know, the first guy is going to have it the most difficult? How do you look at that? I think, I think everyone's ready for it. I don't think you're going to see it for a long time. I don't think you're anywhere close to seeing it. Um, uh, language hasn't evolved. It's still not a safe space for kids. Kids are quitting the game um, if they're struggling with their sexuality. And the ones that are gay and playing are hiding. They're in the shadows. They don't want anyone to know. So um, could they come out? Yeah. Would they? Do they want to deal with the attention it would get? Probably not. Um, uh, and would it be predominantly positive? Yes. 
but that can change in a heartbeat. I mean, I had an incident last year where I, you know, called out the league over a ruling on a, a situation in the playoffs where a player used a homophobic term and the league deemed it wasn't homophobic and um, I received death threats from fans. So, uh, I mean, does that person want to deal with that? And will it impact their game positively or negatively? I don't know. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty shocking, man. That's that's tough. But you know, good for you for obviously standing up for well for yourself and for other people who may be in your situation. I mean, I'm sure you've had some. Um, I assume, and I, and I know there's some stuff you can't get into, but I assume you've had those people, conf- people who have confided in you and said, you know, thank you. You 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 feel you've been an inspiration to some people here. Um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people tell me I am. Uh, I, I, I know I'm helping people because I, 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 I see it. Uh, am I an inspiration? I don't know. I, I hope so. I, I just hope that people don't have to live the way I felt, and that you know, I, I, I'm the type of person where I never feel like I'm doing enough. So um, as long as people are still struggling with their sexuality and, uh, and as long as there's people out there that aren't being inclusive and families are kicking kids out of their homes and, um, you know, people are suicidal or, um, you know, I mean, teen suicide rates for the LGBT community are astronomical. And as long as that's still going on, I, I'm, whether I'm having you know some positive impact great but it's not enough more has to be done so what's next then what more has to be done let me ask you that the support systems have to be stronger i mean there's you look right now in alberta um they want to expose kids who are seeking support in their schools and and you know there's a fight with that and that alone and not having a safe space or anyone to talk to, it's, it's really funny. If you're a minority, like, let's say, P.K. Subban, right? Uh, a hockey player, the person of color, but his oppression, his minority is visible because his skin color. Whereas being gay isn't visible. So you're always having to come out. And you're always having to tell people, and you don't necessarily have anyone in your life that's experienced it before you because your parents are probably straight, your relatives are likely straight, so you don't have those role models that experience the same struggle you're going through. And and when you create those safe spaces for them and then rip them away or expose them, well, now nobody's there to support them, or now they're hiding even more. So I, I think we, we have to do more, more in the hockey community, especially uh, uh, hockey has such a massive influence on our culture. And, and they can do so much to create safer environments where kids feel good about themselves and, and where they're able to be themselves. And not just whether they're LGBT, but, I mean, kids don't want to brag about being intelligent if they do well in school because then they'll be the nerds. Or, they, you know, if they play an instrument, they don't want anyone to know. 
they have to conform to this hockey norm and this hockey culture. It's like this bro jock masculine thing. They're just being themselves. And if we can create an environment where everyone is just themselves and, and they're not looked down upon for being different because everyone's really different, then they'll probably perform better. You're going to keep more kids in the game and we're going to have happier healthier players coming out afterwards there's so many people even I'm, I'm sure you know you deal with enough players that when they retire they don't know what to do with themselves and but they aren't allowed like they're you know looked down upon if they have any passions outside of the game Brock I, I can tell obviously you're very passionate about this and obviously you know thanks for coming to Edmonton to deliver your message just if, if people want to find out more about you or uh, reach out to you or, or, or read some of the stuff you've written where can they go yeah absolutely um, I'm on Twitter at Brock underscore McGillis um, Instagram at Brock McGillis 33 and my website brockmcgillis.com um, if anyone needs somebody to talk to or anything, I, I help them find resources and I'm always there to support them, whether it's LGBT related or not. And um, thank you for having me on. I think it's, it's really critical that sport media has these conversations, so I really appreciate it. Single game tickets are now on sale for the Holinka Gretzky Cup that will be played in Edmonton and Red Deer from August 6th to 11th, featuring the best U18 players on the globe. The Canadian coach for that tournament, he's the head coach of the Ottawa 67s, will be Andre Tournier. Andre, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Very good. What about you, Reed? I'm doing very well. It's it's nice to talk to you. I, uh, we'll get the chance to meet in person in, in about a month here. Boy, you, you must be a veteran coach because you're making sure you're coming to Edmonton in, in August and not in December, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there the, every season. I've been part of the, the World Junior before where we played in Edmonton in the pre, uh, pre-tournament game when uh, the tournament was in Saskatoon, and I coach in the NHL as well in Colorado. So I've been the... I've been in Edmonton in February as well, so I, I saw both sides. Yeah, this will this will be much better. Uh, I, I mean, the the uh, now called Holinka Gretzky Cup. It's it's been around for a while, but it's coming to Canada. Uh, it, it's it's coming to Edmonton. Just give me that sense of of playing an international tournament on Canadian soil as the home team, coaching in it. Must be nothing like it. Exactly, it's nothing like it. I remember, like if it was yesterday, my first experience was in Saskatoon in the in 2010, and that was that was just the first game when the flag was going around in the building and the crowd was all dressed in red, and it has nothing like that. Nothing like representing your country and your in your um, national sports. I think nothing like that. Do you have to harness or focus the energy of the players? Because for some of those guys, that's that's the dream come true, right? You're going to be facing that in Edmonton, wearing the Canadian jersey, playing in front of a large crowd. You have to make sure they they spread their energy over the whole game and and not use it all in the first few shifts. Or how do you approach that? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's. A a really important part of the process. I think Hockey Canada do a really good job to surround those players, not just for this year. They, they've been in the program last year with the under-17, and they've been they've been through a lot of exercise already to uh, 
make sure they can focus on the prison. And that will be a, a big theme for us to make sure we, we can stay in the prison and focus on the on the right ear right now. So that will be uh, really important for us. And I think it's part of the process for those young men to learn to, uh, to be in the prison. But uh, at the same time, I think that all the distraction around will will be important for us to manage all of those. You know, you mentioned obviously your your experience in the NHL and and with previous international teams, uh, and obviously you've you've been a junior coach for well over a decade. So, you, you work with a lot of young men uh, this age, uh, often going through an entire season in in the Q or in the O. Do, do you do you approach a, a short tournament any different as a coach, or or do you kind of stick with the the standard things that are are important to you? No, it, it is different. You cannot go as deep in your uh, in your structure and your system in the detail. What's important for me is to don't paralyze the player with uh, over coaching. Yeah. Yes, you want a structure. Yes, you want to have a team identity. But at the same time, your player must be uh, free to uh, to do what they do best. And that's why they are there. If they are at the level to represent their country as a player, it's because they have strength. They have tools who make them special. So you don't want to cut their legs and make them think too much. So, uh, yes, the structure will be really important. Yes, we will play with a lot of drive, a lot with the Canadian game. We'll play with a lot of grit, the Kennedy in a way, but at the same time, we want those guys to be able to play and to to do what they do best. So whatever what it is depends about who you are, what's your strength, but make sure you you put you put your best foot forward. Andre, in terms of this group of players. I mean, there's been a, a huge emphasis, uh, you know, in terms of promoting the tournament in Edmonton about how many of these kids are going to get drafted likely next June. I think there were 77 from last year's tournament that got drafted in Dallas a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is this is, must be cool for you. This is going to be a special group of players. I mean, this is a true best-on-best best event, and, and you're getting the absolute best Canadian guys at this age. Exactly. That's with the uh, when when the NHL player were at the uh, at the Olympics that was the only other event where you could have best on best uh, I, the even linker tournament every player in the world are available for that tournament so it's really best on best just to give you an idea my first experience was in a, in 08 as a as an assistant coach and uh, on our third line just to give an example we had uh, Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly and on our fourth line we had guys like Cody Akins and uh, and uh, Casey Sazakis who are really good NHL player so that was our fourth line so that gives you an example of how good is that tournament? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, def- definitely you'll have some uh, NHL-bound players on this roster for sure. Andre Turnier joining us on uh, Inside Sports tonight. He's going to be coaching Canada at the Helenka Gretzky Cup right here in Edmonton. All, all the Canadian games in Red Deer, there or in uh, Edmonton, I should say, there will also be games in uh, in Red Deer. Hey, Andre, I, I was scrolling through your your Twitter account. I gotta I gotta ask you two things from your Twitter account. First one's a bit of a lighter note. Um, it, is Bear your nickname, or where does that come yeah. from? <laughs> that, that's uh, the Bear. Everybody, let's start with the Hockey Canada, actually. Start with Bill Peters. When I, I coached with Billy in, uh, at the event link uh, in 08, and uh, I, like you know, Turing is a little bit uh, tough to, uh, to pronounce, so he started to call me Bear, and uh, the 
for whatever reason. So that's that that was that what happened in the in Slovakia. I stay in Slovakia, but they start to call me the bear, and since then everybody called me the bear. So that's my nickname. Okay, and you also sent out uh, you know a few t- tweets of congratulations on draft day, but there was one Oilers related one. You said uh, good for you, Olivier Rodrigue, the young goaltender of the Oilers, got yeah. 62nd overall. Tell me about your relationship with uh, with Olivier and uh, maybe how you yeah. think he's going to do here moving ahead. He's a tremendous person. He's a really good goalie. The relationship is my my boys. I have twin boys who are 2000 born, and they were playing together in the summer uh, hockey. Which is Olivier was the number one goalie. I have a, a son who was a goalie, who was the backup, and uh, uh, Sylvain, the dad of uh, Olivier, is a friend of mine. So they played during years together uh, in uh, in summer hockey. So we had a. In that team, we had a lot of guys who've been draft uh, in the NHL, so we we had a really good team. But Olivier was the heart and soul of our team; he was our best player, and we won a lot of tournament because Olivier was our go-to guy, and he was really special. He's a really calm kid, really down to hurt, uh, and he's a tremendous person, and he will do just great. No doubt about it. Well, right on. Oilers fans like to hear that. Andre, I know it's been a busy day for you. Thanks for fitness, uh, fitting us in tonight here on 630 Chet in Edmonton. Look forward to meeting you when you're in town for the tournament, and all the best. Thank you. Andre Tournier, he will coach Canada at the Halinki gretzky Cup. Edmonton Red Deer, August 6th to 11th. Single game tickets now on sale. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style picnic at northchickenyeg.com, 124th Street, 107th Ave. Next half hour, you'll get to know Ribstone Creek Brewery out of Edgerton, and you will meet a 90-year-old bowler competing at the Bowl Canada Cup in Edmonton this weekend. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 28-8, Ottawa leading Montreal. Four minutes left in the third quarter. CFL action tonight. Eskimos taking on the Argos tomorrow. Game will start at 3.30. Our coverage will commence at 2 o'clock with the countdown to kickoff. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 5-2. That one is in the top of the seventh. Ryan Strom re-signed by the Edmonton Oilers today. Two years. $6.2 million. Oz texting in. To some of the people not liking the deal, says, wow, take out the first 15 games Strom played for the Oilers, and most would say this is a good deal. He needed time to adjust, and he did through the tough season. Key idea, the team struggled, but he got better over time. Most will be mute after he proves his value the next season. Also, don't forget another expansion draft coming up. I'm sure that explains the two years. That is from Oz, and that uh, is a good point. I brought that up earlier that he's more appealing to be claimed in the expansion draft if he has a year remaining on his contract as opposed to being a free agent. You can always text 630-630. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Man, we've been covering a lot of stuff. Uh, we had some basketball with uh, Kelly Olenek from the Miami Heat. Uh, we had Paul Suron talking about the uh, Game 3 tomorrow between Canada and Turkey being cancelled. We had Brock McGillis. He's speaking at the hockey conference 
at the U of A. Dave Campbell set up the Eskimos game. Andre Turnier is going to be coaching Canada in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Andy Wakeston brought us the update from the Brick Invitational. Team Brick Alberta finishing the round robin at 5-1. and one. They play a quarterfinal tomorrow morning at 9-10 against Connecticut. If they win, they go on to a semifinal at 3.30. That's all at the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. We've covered so much stuff, we thought we might as well talk about some craft beer on a Friday night as well. Aaron Norris is with Ribstone Creek Brewery out of the lovely community of Edgerton. Aaron, how are you doing? Very well. Yourself? I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show. Edgerton, about 35 kilometers east of Wainwright. What's the population now? Well, it depends on the day or the time of day and everything, but it's about 400 people. <laughs> about 400 people, depending on the time of day. I'm from a small town, so I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Aaron, give us give us a little bit of the history here of Ribstone. Uh, of Ribstone, who who got it going? And why did they get it going? What's the backstory? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we've been going for about six years now, but if you kind of rewind about seven years. Uh, there's four buddies born and raised in the area that were basically just sitting, drinking beer in their garage, as they often do out in uh, Edgerton. And they kind of realized that, you know what, we are grow all this amazing barley that we ship across the whole uh, province to make beer, and we just end up drinking the beer in our backyard here anyway, so why don't we just try and combine the two? So they thought there it was uh, a great opportunity to start a brewery in Edgerton. Um, what they did is they uh, held a town hall, they quickly realized that they needed some more support with this uh, project. Uh, they held a town hall. They literally took a piece of plywood and spray painted it up on there. We're, we want to start a brewery. Come by if you want to learn more. And then from that meeting itself, they were able to secure over 80 local investors from the surrounding area to, to invest in the project. And that's what allowed us to open the doors and start producing beer. That is absolutely amazing, Aaron. 80 investors from the Edgerton area. I mean, this is truly a community product, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's something that we've got a lot of community support with as well, so it's really exciting to kind of, especially when you're going out in uh, Edgerton to start a craft beer movement, it's kind of nice to have that support of the community. So where did they start brewing? Like, did one guy already kind of have a setup, or did they have to get a building, or what happened? Yeah, so we've converted an old tractor mechanic shop that's always been on uh, the main street. So it's a historic building, and we converted that. Uh, they had that building in place. Um, but they did have to get some start, uh, help off the start uh, in the sense that they were contracting out a yellowhead right off the get-go and they brought in a, a, a consultant to kind of help with the brewery. But they're able to kind of uh, source some local talent. So our head brewer is right outside of Chauvin. So that's an even smaller town, just about 10 minutes outside of Edgerton. What has it meant to the town to have a brewery of its own and, and the beer gets distributed everywhere. And by the way, I, I don't mind plugging you guys, the Ribstrone Creek Lager is one of the most refreshing beers for me out there. I absolutely love it. But what does it mean to the town to, to have this right in your community? Has it boosted the sense of pride a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like that was almost part of the reason why they wanted to start the brewery as well. They saw it as a great opportunity to kind of put Edgerton on the map a little bit and um, maybe even bring some more traction through the community. So I know I'm doing all these beer shows all across uh, uh, the province here, and the first, number one question I get is, where is Edgerton? But there's every once in a while you'll go, oh, I know where Edgerton is. I'm from Provost, or I'm from Uenden, or something like that. So it's really kind of like 
we were Alberta's first rural brewery. So kind of everyone in that neck of the woods really kind of considers us as their hometown brewery. Yeah, well, that, that's a good point. And, and now the, the craft beer scene has really taken off. Aaron Norris joining us from Ribstone Creek Brewery. They're stationed in Edgerton. Uh, give us a sense of, of the last six years, how the scenery has changed for craft brewers in this province. Yeah, so it's it's grown crazy rapidly. And I think the best way I can kind of extra, uh, describe it is just kind of through... Uh, our experience through our Christmas party. So every year we host a kind of a open to the community Christmas party at our brewery. Uh, and our first beer that we ever brewed was that Ribstone Creek Lager that you talked about, Reed. And uh, that beer was just that light, easy drinking beer that kind of appeals to the masses there. Um, so at our very first Christmas party, um, we had all these different kind of beers lined up, but you look around the room and everyone's drinking that Ribstone Creek Lager. And then you kind of fast forward another year, and then you see some more darker beers out there, maybe a few more pale ales. People are kind of dipping their toes in a little bit more. And then you rewind to our last Christmas party, and there's people drinking all these imperial stouts and double or dry hopped IPAs, a few lagers here. Everyone's looking to try that, that something new. So in the past six years, it's been crazy, the, the explosion of the craft beer scene. And uh, it's great for us because we're getting more and more of that support as well. Is it is it still challenging to get your beer into you know into pubs and restaurants? Do a lot of the you know the the big box breweries, if I want to call them that, do they still kind of own that scene, or what kind of progress has there been there? Yeah, it's all about finding a fit uh, first and foremost. There's obviously a lot more brewery or some spots that support the craft beer movement a little bit more, but. For sure, the big box breweries, I guess you can say, are definitely have a strong foothold in it. Um, but what we're seeing kind of with this whole craft beer movement is that we're just kind of slowly chipping away. So I always get this question if I'm ever concerned with all these other Alberta craft beer craft breweries popping up if I'm worried about that competition. But at the end of the day, I kind of see it as rising tides float all boats. So the more craft breweries in Alberta that are popping up, the more people in Alberta are eager to try a new craft brewery. Um, whether it's Ribstone Creek from Edgerton or somewhere else down across the province. So um, although the the big macro big box breweries still have a huge stranglehold of the market, it's the Alberta craft breweries are slowly kind of chipping away at that. So it's almost like we're all kind of working together to kind of take a little bit of that uh, piece of the pie that the big box breweries have. You know, it's it's funny, Aaron. You you use the phrase "a rising tide lifts all boats." I, I had I don't know if you know Hans Doof from Blind Man yeah. in Lacombe, yeah. but he used that exact phrase. That uh, he's like, yeah, it's in one extent it's competition, but it's it's also offering more product to people and gets them talking about craft beer and trying different types and finding their favorite or finding their seasonal go-to. As we're doing this, somebody texted into 63630, had their winter porter, delicious. So uh, <laughs> another uh, another compliment. Now, do you guys, uh, with the, the brewers there, do they like to stick with a pretty strict lineup? Are they experimenting a little bit? Uh, what, what are, how do they approach that? Yeah, so uh, we do kind of have our, uh, our main lineup. We've got the lager, uh, Rangeland Pale Ale, uh, Lone Bison IPA, uh, and then we've got two seasonals that rotate in and out, a uh, Great White Combine White IPA, which is currently out for the summer, and then our Old Man Winter Porter, which runs during the uh, winter months. But we've also uh, just kind of more recently over the past year looked to do a little bit more experimental stuff. So we've got a bomber program where it's those big 650 milliliter bo- 
bottles that essentially our brewers will, uh, if they find a recipe they like, they'll whip up one batch of it and we'll toss it in these bombers. So um, it, those are more of the limited one-off releases that we'll do, um, but it really allows for that experimentation, um, kind of testing out the market with something new and kind of keeps things a little bit more fresh for the customer from day one that's been with us since uh, six years ago. All right, uh, ribstonecreekbrewery.ca, pretty simple website, by the way, if you want to check out Ribstone or just Google it, uh, it it'll come up, obviously. Uh, like, the, there, there's the two big cities in Edmonton, obviously Edmonton and Calgary, and then you got the, the Grand Prairies, the Fort McMurray's, the Red Deers, you know, the, the Lloyd Minsters. Like, is there, a, is there a city in Alberta that's more of a hotbed for craft beer, or is it pretty evenly distributed now? Well, it's definitely of the two bigger bigger centers right uh, with uh, Calgary and Edmonton um, I think I guess just kind of being a broken record but going back to rising tides float all boats the more breweries that kind of pop up the more people are interested in trying a new brewery so with Calgary coming up with I think it's something like over 20 breweries now operating in the city limits uh, I find a lot more people are very interested in that um, whereas Edmonton is still uh, kind of growing a little bit more in the brewery count um, I think it's slowly kind of catching up there as well but definitely the two urban centers are, are kind of the hotbeds but it's also great to kind of see breweries in Slave Lake or uh, Sylvan Lake or Red Deer popping up as well so it's definitely uh, across the province you're seeing that that change well and and what's great is like Alberta breweries are making good stuff like I and I wouldn't say that like you know and I, I sample stuff and, and th- there's a lot of good stuff out there which is encouraging this isn't just stuff being produced for the sake of producing content for lack of a better word I mean there's some there's some really good beers out there and, and ribstone and, and all these crap brewers are taking a lot of pride of it uh, Aaron important question as I as I uh, as I end here you're uh, east of Wainwright uh, approaching the Saskatchewan border, I would hope that is still Eskimo country out there. <laughs> oh, it, I grew up in Wainwright, and I'm a true blue Oilers fan, and uh, it's green and gold all the way. <laughs> that, that's good. Now, now Ripstone Creek Brewery is even going to get more purchases and hits on the website tonight, so that, exactly. that, that's awesome. Yeah. Aaron, I'm glad we did this. Uh, it was nice to meet you at the city market a few weeks ago. Thanks for... Uh, waiting for me to get back from the draft and all that stuff so we could do a segment here. Keep in touch, man. Really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, squeezing me in between uh, the, the draft picks and all that and the free agency, so I appreciate it. Right on. That is Aaron Norris checking in tonight, representing Ribstone Creek Brewery out of Edgerton. That, that is an amazing story. That, that is an amazing story. Town of about 400 people, four guys say, let's let's start a brewery, let's see if the community will help, and they get 80 investors from the town and from the area. 80 people step up to uh, to make Ribstone Creek Brewery happen six years ago. That is an awesome story. Uh, this texter says, great tours on the weekend. It's an easy day trip from Edmonton to Edgerton. They're also at Strathcona Market on Saturday. Well, and I ran into Aaron at the, uh, the downtown market on 104th Street on Saturday too, so that's awesome that they're getting out there. Uh, we've, done the, we've done this for a while now, Kellen. We've often done two or three a summer profile yep. a, a craft brewery so uh, we'll try to do a couple more this summer absolutely uh, and, uh, and up the count there's, there's a lot of I, I mean i like the um i like the stories behind like you know it, it's it's great obviously but you know and there's uh, there's an obvious connection between uh, having your favorite beer and watching an oilers game or an eskimos game or going to a ball game and having a having a glass or two so there's that connection between that beverage and the world of sports 
Uh, but once you start talking to, you know, a lot of these craft brewers, they're, they're starting small. They're starting with a dream. They're starting, let's see if I can make something happen because I have passion for it, and we get some incredible stories on Inside Sports. Thanks to Aaron for coming on tonight. Uh, 28-8, Ottawa leading Montreal, 13 minutes left in the first quarter, uh, fourth quarter CFL action there. Uh, we have a pretty uh, cool story coming up after the break. You are going to meet Clara Hyde. She is 90 years of age. She will be bowling for a national championship at Bonnie Dune Lanes this weekend. We'll get to her when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, there's your quarterback. He's ready to go in Toronto tomorrow. We'll have the game for you on 630 Chet. Coverage will start at 2. All right, so uh, this weekend at Bonnie Dune Lanes, we got the Bowl Canada Cup, and one of the competitors visiting our city from Manitoba is Clara Hyde. And we welcome Claire to Inside Sports now. Claire, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's nice to talk to you. Um, now you're you're in Edmonton here for a, a Canadian Bowling Championship. What what can you tell us about this event? Oh, it's I'm really happy that I am here, and hoping we can win it. How long have you been bowling, Clara? Well, I was since really in regular leagues. I started when I was 55. Okay. 1950, 1955. Okay, so you've been bowling. You've been bowling. And how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking, Clara? Oh, not too old. I'm 90. You're 90. Okay. Well, uh, amazing. So, <laughs> so you're a, you're a very very good bowler then. Like if you're at the Canadian Championship, like would you say you're like one of the best, or how would you rate your own ability? Well, I would say I do my best. What do you like most about bowling? I just love to be with people, and I love the game, and the people that own the alleys as well. They're very good people, and I enjoy it. Right on. Have you ever bowled a perfect game? Uh, Not a perfect game, no. (laughs) The highest was 200. So you're doing 10 pin? No, it's just 5 pins. Okay. You're doing five pin. All right. So, d- t- tell tell us what's going on this weekend. Are, are you on a team? Or are you bowling in uh, an individual event, or what is it? No, it's on a team. Okay. And are are you are you the captain? No, I'm not a captain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Okay. <laughs> no. Now, are you? Do you? Claire, do you bowl against other people in your age group, or do you bowl against people of all ages? Uh, all ages. Okay. So some of the people you might be bowling against might not have the experience that you do. Is that is that an advantage for you? It is. Is there any? Um, is there ever any trash talking? Like, where you remind them how good you are? <laughs> no, 
No, I, I don't. I'm just happy if I do well. Okay. Well, welcome to Edmonton. Now, where are you, where are you going to be bowling this weekend? Bonnie Dune. You're going to be at Bonnie Dune. And is Saturday and Sunday? Yes. Okay. Do you do any other uh, sports or, or activities, or is it primarily bowling for you? No, this bowling, I just took it very seriously. That's the only I took. That's the only activity I took. Okay, awesome stuff. Well, Clara, thank you for do, thank you for doing this interview. I, I wish you all the best this weekend, and uh, I hope you do really well. Thank you for coming on my show. Oh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a great night. That is Clara Hyde checking in. Great to meet Clara. Trucker Dave texting in during the interview. Simply, go Clara. Kellen, that was good. Once in a while, you meet athletes that are amazing like that. She's been bowling since 1955. My dad has a card that's as old as her bowling career, I think. She has been bowling since 1955. (laughs) She does not engage in trash talk. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping she was going to say yes to that question. <laughs> That's just just my twisted mind. Uh, but there she goes. She, so she's in from uh, Winnipeg, and uh, she's bowling in the Bowl Canada Cup, uh, Bonnie Dune, starting tomorrow. She's uh, she's on a team. She's not the captain. She got she got a kick out of that. That I asked if she was a captain. I don't know. I figured I I think she'd be a pretty good choice for captain personally but I, I maybe they don't maybe they don't have captains on bowling teams i'm not sure uh but thanks uh, we got we got a story suggestion about clara so uh thanks to uh the uh, bo- uh actually bonnie Dune lane sent that in so we're it's great to have her on the show this was a fun show now we had she would be one of our most senior guests Mm-hmm. I believe our most senior guest of all time would be the late great Tom. Yes, uh, who was into his mid nineties. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, regular caller to me and to Bob and to uh, Overtime Open Line. And then one day we featured him as a guest. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Tom a couple of years ago. Yeah, I missed his phone calls. He, he was a nice guy. He, he was outstanding. I believe he is our most senior male guest. But Clara would be our most senior female guest. And also tonight we had our tallest ever guest because I met Kelly Olenek, seven feet tall, uh, (laughs) at Harry Ailey this afternoon. He plays for the Miami Heat. Uh, What a show. We had eight guests in two hours. We rocked it. And you were wondering what we were going to do yesterday at this time. Well, (laughs) I had time to get it together. Ottawa leading Montreal, 28-15, 10 minutes left. Eston Argos tomorrow. Coverage starts at 2, game at 3.30. Morley and Dave here on 6.30, Chad. Middle of the 8th, Blue Jays up 5-2 on the Yankees. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. See you soon. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.